Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. But they took it way too far. The wheels are coming off. I absolutely believe that we are winning and our victory is is assured. That was Celia Farber, an investigative historian of deep fake virus agendas from HIV to COVID-19. And Celia is anti-tyranny in all of its forms. And I will be right back with the one and only Celia Farber after this short message from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now let's get back to the show. And we're back. So they used a faulty method, PCR, to allegedly diagnose COVID, encourage the people who got a positive test from that faulty test to stay home until they felt much worse. And then when they finally showed up at the hospital, they were typically given remdesivir and put on a ventilator and sequestered away from their loved ones. And many of those poor souls died alone, victims of the protocol, not the virus. Now, I could only imagine that when Celia Farber heard about all this, she thought of Tony Fauci's weasel-like face inside this fucking guy again. Because if there's anyone out there who fully understands how Fauciism can kill people with supposed cures that are worse than supposed diseases, it's Celia. Celia has warned us that we are in a war for the soul of science, and I'm proud to have her join me here today to talk about all this and more. So Celia, welcome to Post Woke. Mickey, so good to be with you. I was that was a very, very. Uh, I, you're so exacting, and that was such a great introduction. Thank you. Oh, thank you for being here. It's 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 been a long time coming. Perhaps at some point we'll touch on how we knew each other 25 years ago. But right yeah. now I'm going to just dive in and say that, uh, as I was mentioning to you before we we started recording, I've written a lot about <clears throat> issues like propaganda tactics, particularly used to justify wars and military interventions. But in that process, I've learned that like war propaganda, medical propaganda works in a somewhat predictable manner. And one brand of that, Fauciism, commenced in the 80s and 90s. Now, you Correct. call Fauci a social engineer. So for all of those folks who first heard of Fauci only in the year 2020, what can you tell us about a man with this much blood on his hands? Wow. Where do I begin? Okay, great, great question, great questions. 
So uh, I'm glad you started us off there with the social engineer. One of the reasons that's a big, that's a word, a, a concept for me is because I grew up in Sweden. I'm American, born in New York City, but my mom was Swedish and she, the, when the marriage broke up, she took us to Sweden. I was 11 years old and lived there for eight, eight years during a time of, um, I would say like the in, industrial, uh, social engineering that took place in Sweden in a way that we, I, I don't know that it took place anywhere else hardly in the world. By social engineering, I mean that the state apparatus is so heavy on the individual, on the citizen, on the family, on the man, on the woman, on the child, and changing how they see themselves, each other, their lives, their morals, everything. Like the same way that people accuse organized religion I see that in, um, like, I guess the, the social engineering come emanating from the state, right? And when okay. I came back to America, the big idea was, well, thank God there's none of that in America because <laughs> America is a free country and everyone kind of does what they want and there isn't some big brother entity breathing down people's necks. Um, it, it, it crept in through totalitarian public health, Tony Fauci and Fauciism. And I think my most important quote in, um, in Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, it's a quote that I'm, I feel very strongly about. It's a long quote um, and, uh, and he ran the whole thing. I actually sent it in as a piece of writing because it came to me in a blinding flash that, that Tony Fauci's most radical, revolutionary and dangerous role was that he brought wokeism, which I know will resonate with you, mm -hmm. woke and wokeism into science, medicine, biology, public health. Sorry about the beeping. I'm, I try to turn off all the things on my It's quite all right. Here, but, okay. Um, by social engineering, what I mean is, okay, let's just take the easiest example, COVID. Uh, or the most recent example, not the easiest example. He doesn't just, he doesn't really address contagion, what is known, what is not known. I mean, he pretends he is, but he isn't. He's not speaking as an epidemiologist, as for example, Anders Tegnell in Sweden was doing, speaking as an epidemiologist to the Swedish people, always saying, if you have symptoms, stay home. Um, you know, in other words, the whole thing in the way it played out in Sweden was still bound to the reality of what they see as contagious illness, which is, as you and I know, a whole other kettle fish. <laughs> but what is Fauci doing over here in America? He's getting on television night after night after night, and he's fundamentally changing, as is the apparatus and the commercials and the ads and the propaganda in lockstep with Fauci, changing the way we view our lives as Americans. What does that mean? Well, they say there's a new virus going around. That means I'm gonna leave grandma to die in a plastic bag uh, with no, no last rites, even though she's a lifelong devoted Catholic, etc. right? That's, that's actually social engineering. In other words, going, using a virus and using a fake um, scare paradigm. I mean, the scare is very real, but the so-called science is very fake. Using that to shatter and reshape 
how we live and how we think about one another. And his obsession is separation and no touch. It was with AIDS and it is with COVID. Distance, distance, distance. In other words, if you don't have to be near someone, touch someone, you might even say love someone, um, then don't. That's his worldview. The only value is avoid the virus and kill the virus. Avoid the virus and kill the virus. Okay, so you kill all the people too. You kill the whole community. You kill everybody's hopes and dreams. So be it. But you attacked the virus. That's his obsession. He, was, he developed it and, 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 and fomented it during AIDS. And then he threw it down on the entire U.S. population during COVID. Wow, I, I appreciate that lens from which you just described that. And it's it uh, reminds me of the famous line from a U.S. colonel in Vietnam. And uh, it became necessary to destroy the town in order to save it. It's 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 he just seems it, the collateral damage is irrelevant to him. But I'm curious. Wow, I forgot about that. That fits yeah. so perfectly. That's right. That is, it, it's the same mentality. It's the same people. It's the same machine. Yes. You know, the, these are military, organ, these are mil, arms of the military. All of NIH, HHS, CDC. People don't under, you know that, right? This is yes. the military. These are not, um, these are not medical organizations. Yeah, you look at Fauci's salary when he was, I think it was um, George W. Bush um, made, put him under the purview of the military and you saw his salary skyrocket under the alleged vibe of, of protecting us from um, bioterror. And it, it's that connection is lost there. And yeah, the, the town that in Vietnam was called Ben Trey and no one really uses the phrase, but it's called Brent, Ben Trey logic. And I feel like that should come back into play because we're witnessing it in so many uh, theaters. But I want to focus in on you using the word woke now back in the 80s and 90s when it wasn't in fashion, perhaps be called it back then political correctness. But right. I, I think I think what you're really getting at is thought crimes, cancel culture, ruins careers like around the, the time of the AIDS crisis, where if you didn't march in lockstep, it, yep. it, there was a version of Twitter in a way that people would pile on you. The scientific community and the media lapdogs would pile on you and remove you from the scene. So when you when you talk about woke in the context of early Fauci, um, what does that come out of? Yeah. Okay. The early Fauci woke comes out of I believe I feel that AIDS was. I'm going to leave aside polio for the time being because I think there, there, all of this really, a lot of it kicks in during so-called polio. But AIDS in earnest, what happens is you have post-Stonewall gay culture as a power block that um, makes a decision from within, that is to say Larry Kramer, essentially, and, and his uh, cadre. And the decision is made... What goes on in the bathhouses will not be communicated to the heterosexual world, media, congressmen, etc. Um, we're going to we're going to block that off. And this was a, 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 literally a conflict that happened between Larry Kramer on the one hand and uh, Richard Berkowitz, Michael Callan, and Joe Sonnabend on the other. And th those guys were the inventors of what, what later became safe sex, which was designed for sexually active gay men in the big cities. It was not supposed to be something that went out, out across the country, a pamphlet under every 
under every door. So, okay, let me let me back up a little. I'm <clears throat> maybe going a little bit too fast, but okay, back to woke 80s, AIDS, and Fauci. So what's happening is, so gay men are, are indeed becoming very sick from a syndrome that initially is called gay cancer. It's later called grid gay-related immune deficiency. It is real, it is scary, it, it's, it's new, it's mysterious. And early on, as I've documented, and many have documented, the, the so-called virus hunters, the Bob Gallows and, and all of that, that whole generation of retrovirologists and so-called virologists who didn't have a virus really to, um, to play with, right, to attach to a terrible disease, they were lying in wait. And they were saying before the 1984 press conference, it's going to be a retrovirus. This thing is going to be caught. In other words, there was a will, right? There was a will mm. for AIDS to be caught, to have a single cause and for it to be exactly the kind of virus that they were interested in, that they were educated in, and that they wanted to get funding for. Um, and every time I say virus and retrovirus, I mean it in quotation marks. Okay. You know, that's another show, another time. Okay, so... So woke and AIDS is, is like the perfect marriage because it was necessary for the, the money they wanted to raise and what they called awareness, which was like a, an atomic bomb of terror over people. AIDS awareness required this very strange, watered down version of who was getting sick and why and how they were getting sick and the absolutely forbidden thing back then political correctness as you as you pointed out is what it was called the forbidden thing was to use the word lifestyle or to point out that there was anything that the sick gay men were were doing that could have been causing and exacerbating this illness so you weren't allowed to talk about the bathhouses and poppers and the antibiotics and all the different drugs and all of that, because then you were homophobic. I mean, I'm just sim radically sim simplifying, but basically this was the, the hardcore messaging that came down. And if you were homophobic, you got some very scary people and attacks against you in the form of ACT UP, who were seen as saints, uh, saints and heroes. Um, there were entire periodicals shut down. They shut down uh, Cosmopolitan. I think they shut down the whole magazine because they, they had a doctor named Dr. Robert Gould. I can't recall if he was a psychiatrist or what he was, but he wrote a piece saying heterosexuals are unlikely to contract, as they put it, HIV or AIDS, and uh, there's really nothing to worry about. And they went completely berserk. I mean, wow. there are so many of these stories, right, of um, the woke brigade of the time led by sacred AIDS activists dictating to media, to the public, with, with Fauci kind of the puppet master at the top, dictating what you were allowed to say about AIDS and what you were not allowed to say. And if the true cause got away in all of this, well, so be it. It was better to say the right thing, the, the, the Elton John ordained precious thing to say, that Elizabeth Taylor, whoever, then to say the thing that actually had connection to real medicine, epidemiology, or recovery, like the stuff Gary Null was talking about. He was the very first who was talking about 
when people who have this syndrome and I give them, we take them to, you know, high dose vitamin C and detox and we do this and we do that and they get better. I think it was a, I still think it's a mystery what, what happened back there and how those men got so sick. And I don't think anyone has ever truly cracked the multifactorial model. Um, but it was super clear that if you wanted to have a life, a name, a profession, an income, anything at all, you you sang the single virus song and, and the anybody can get it song and everybody's one broken condom away from it and anybody, et cetera, et cetera. And that was all complete and utter BS, doggerel, nonsense, fiction. None of it bo was borne out in, in you, I mean, you tell me, Mickey, where is the... Where's the heterosexual explosion that was going to happen? Where uh, are the remember. Nine, you remember all of it. Oh, yeah. Right? I remember the, the scares. And then when the Magic Johnson news came out, that seemed to be, quote, unquote, proof. Look, look, anybody can get this. And so it, it, trying to put that late, what would later on be a COVID-like scare on the whole population. Yeah. Uh, Magic John, that's, that's, I was speaking to somebody about this yesterday. Pharma is so is so is so evil, and they're e we can't think like them. And every time I and that's that's why they keep winning is because they um their evil is just moves so fast. So the the, the way their evil um, destroyed Magic Johnson was uh, for whatever reason they decided I don't know why he he was a target, but he tested positive on the not important antibody test. I don't know if it was ELISA, Western blot, and or PCR, but they decided that this this guy has tested positive on our on our dubious diagnostic tests, which say in the test inserts, this test cannot determine the presence or absence of HIV. Nevertheless, he gets caught in the net, no pun intended, he gets caught in the net and he's labeled HIV and he's a heterosexual man and a super strong, incredible athlete, and he's black. So now they have themselves uh, somebody who can do more propaganda work for them, <laughs> wow. you know, because they really wanted to target. And I remember those days when, when he first got into the net, so to speak, right, when he became the poster boy for, I have it, and if I got it, anybody can get it. So the deal was, you can't play basketball anymore because our psychological operation holds that, you know, sweat and everything can spread the virus. So you're no longer an athlete, but what you're going to make more money than you made before. We're going to give you contract. Just one of his contracts that I learned about once many years ago was $60 million just for one poster campaign to say, wow, just to keep repeating that from, I don't know which which pharmacy. I'm not going to name a pharmaceutical company right now in case I get it wrong, but one of the very big ones, right? And I remember the posters with Magic Johnson that I can get it, anybody can get it. Um, they began. Um, I I I when I was living in the city, I haven't been for the last couple of years. But I always lived in what used to be Spanish Harlem and then became the Upper West Side, so like 102nd and uh, between mm -hmm. Broadway and Amsterdam. And the posters, the propaganda posters with magic, they all started around 116th Street and they really picked up around 125th Street. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So they, 
really targeting the black community with demoralization campaigns and fear campaigns. And all those years, I didn't quite get it. And now I do that all of these arrows point to depopulation, sterilization campaigns, eugenics campaigns. Wow. Okay. I didn't expect that turn there, but I, I, it's something that I've also, you know, found myself being aimed in that direction. Um, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. Uh, they, the AIDS apparatus, they've always been, um, I find them to be very racist and they're, they're the, the theory itself is proto racist. They, the theory, which was never proven and it's, it's crazy. It's that, there, there was, uh, I believe somebody was said to have had sexual intercourse in Africa with a, a so-called green monkey, which is what caused the virus to leap from the monkey species to the human species. And then there was an equally fictional patient zero uh, who was made up by Randy Schiltz. And he kept trying to tell people, I made it up called Gaetan Dugas was his name. There was a real person and he was a promiscuous, very beautiful gay man who was a flight attendant, flew all around the world and had a lot of sex. So, so what they're selling to the public at this moment in time is transmission models. They want people to think like this. New dangerous viruses emerging from distant parts of the world and spreading unbeknownst and, and this is against everything that is known by serious and fair people and decent people about nature. This is, it goes against everything. It's like a bad horror film. Nature doesn't operate like this at all. Um, so what happened, so to, to elaborate on the depopulation. So I crossed Africa in the early nineties for a series for Spin Magazine that was published in two parts. And I went looking for the so-called AIDS pandemic in Africa. And what we were a team of three, and, um, a scientist and two journalists. And what we found was that they had taken all uh, conventional infectious, I'm sorry, subtropical diseases such as malaria and tuberculosis, and just told all the people that they had AIDS now, which was called slim disease. Um, didn't even require a test. And what those people, the way the spell worked in Africa is that once they were told slim disease, they basically just died. They gave up. Yeah. Their, tri their people gave up on them. They would just go down to the river and die, almost like voodoo or bone pointing. So like the, the psychological attackery in this whole thing is, is, is way bigger than, than anybody has ever acknowledged. In terms of depopulation, the, the, let's go to the first most simple message of AIDS. There's a new virus, it's deadly. It kills you if you get it. So don't get it. Use a condom every time. So that message, that message is actually really strange, but it was normalized for all of us at the time. And one of the reasons it's really strange is because prior to this, sex was known to cause life. As far as I know, nobody ever met, you know, heavy bombarded us with the message that sex causes death and can kill you. And you can, 
you know, make love with a person as it was quaintly known back then and kill them or unintentionally kill them. All of these ideas are very, um, they're very dark, they're very sinister. And I believe that they, the only way I can try to make sense of them is that they are tied in with campaigns that were around earlier in the period you've studied, like the Margaret Sanger period, eugenics, where the idea was to demoralize people, stop them from having children, encourage them to have abortions, and 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 scare them away from from essentially one another. And that's what I now I, I could be wrong, but that's what I see now when I look at like why did they do it? Why did they do it? It was just one arm of the octopus of of uh, of of uh, NWO agenda that now most of us are really familiar with. Yeah, Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Because it, let me just step for one second and clarify to listeners who may not be familiar with you that when I'm asking you questions about the AIDS crisis, you were the the go-to investigative journalist at that time, and your articles still exist online. You have a book out, um, The Sins of Omission. Am I correct on that? Um, and, the book is coming out soon. It's called, didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'll just tell you, it's called uh, Serious Adverse Events and Uncensored History of AIDS. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for that. And so so when you're speaking, the, the, the credibility you have is immense because I can remember reading you at the time, but this work continues. So I just want to clarify for people who may not know that. But to go back to the depopulation, what's fascinating is what used to sound when you use that word, it would just be instantly tinfoil hat, and you know. But now that that Klaus Schwab and the and the World Economic Forum just basically like narrating their plans publicly before they do it, like you can find quotes right. from from Kissinger to to right along up into the World Economic Forum and Gates in particular, where they talk quite openly that they that what in their opinion, what would be ideal populations, and people could dismiss them at, that dismiss that at their own peril. So if if the people, the, if the parasites in charge right now are talking openly about this, then we should be talking openly about this. So I just want to say that I welcome this conversation and the points you made sound incredibly valid and it, it, it's a tie into the racism also where practicing depopulation on the continent of Africa, it, it being where they started with, at least with AIDS, seems like where it ties into your message of how the entire AIDS campaign was very racist. Yeah, and um, I want to actually, there's one sure. point I'm, I'm jumping out of my seat to make here. Please make it. About the uh, racism of the, so, so the AIDS, uh, the AIDS apparatus, the AIDS crowd, the AIDS in crowd, they're supposed to be better than us and more moral than us and more woke and more, you know, against racism and all, all these things, right? But here was their actual theory about, about how, why, like one would say at a certain point in history when the, when the heterosexual AIDS explosion failed to manifest, let's say one is at a gathering with these kinds of people, they would say, oh, well, but it's in Africa. It's, it's in Africa. That's why I had to go to Africa. No, it wasn't in Africa. Anyway, um, okay, it's in Africa. All right. Now, why, 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 I would say, why, why do you think it's spreading so bad in Africa in ways that it's not spreading among highly sexually active people in the West? I mean, the Western world is pretty sexually active. Um, why wouldn't a, why wouldn't rock stars and porn stars and so on and so forth have it or, uh, uh a Bill Clinton for for that matter, or a, or a Jeffrey Epstein for that matter. Yeah. Uh, 
and they would say, oh, and this is based on an article on several very racist articles that were published in the New Yorker, most of them written by Michael Spector. Uh, and they posited, I, I'm, I kid you not, that African men prefer dry sex. Wait for it. And that in order to have dry sex for their women to be dry, that they would make mysterious herbal pouches, insert those, and uh, when the women would insert them, which would dry out the vaginal area. And then the man could have the experience of, of dry sex, which is unwilling sex, which is essentially yes. rape. So this was the New Yorker stamped and approved theory and that by this method, micro tears occurred in the vaginal regions of African women per se that were different from anything that happened in, in the Western world. Oh, and that's so how the virus gained entry. That was the theory. So that oh, explains oh, it. <laughs> Is that racist, Mickey? What, what would you call God. that? It's like those wacky Africans. Look at the, look what they came up with, and now they're giving. You know, after they're having sex with monkeys, now they're giving it to their women. And it's it's like beyond yet, belief. It's like be, beyond yeah, beyond yeah. beyond a cartoon. You know, it's uh, it's like and and this was this is this is how they continued, and they continued to have the upper hand morally, to have all the money and all the glitz and all the always telling us how to think and how to be and what to do. And so my strange role in all of this i guess is to is to shine my flashlight on the the dark dark racist and anti-human origins of of aids and covid same people same ideas yeah, yeah. all right so before we move to covid i, I do want to ask you because you're going to know these answers you mentioned larry kramer now if you do a web search of Larry Kramer and Anthony Fauci, you'll find ACT UP writing this pretty, um, you know, strongly worded open letter to Fauci calling him a pimp for big pharma. Now, I know that Kramer and Fauci eventually reconciled, but was that public public show? They were they were in their own way collaborating behind the scenes? Yeah, so good, great question. We uh, so the, the 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 theater. I think it was theater. I don't. I, I I think it was planned, and I think it was very successful. Don't have proof that it was planned. Sometimes these things may happen somewhat organically. But here's the yeah. way, it, as far as the the public was concerned, that Tony Fauci was first cast as the evil. You know, you're killing us, Doctor Fauci. Why? because he wasn't approving AIDS drugs fast enough. So uh, who psyop might that be? Who benefits, <laughs> right? Okay. Pharma, because it's like, give me my drugs now. Testing for safety and efficacy was equated with murder by the ACT UP crowd. And so Fauci was initially like a kind of fuddy-duddy father figure who was getting in the way of saving lives because he was supposedly so homophobic. And then he has his kind of um, moment of enlightenment and he sits on a bench with Larry Kramer and, and they, and, and they have this breakthrough and they become allies. Right. And now uh. Fauci invites the activists inside the gates of the palace. Now they're at the table and they're draw they're calling the shots at the NIAID meetings. Uh. 
these uh, people kumbaya are, theater there oh yeah, okay yeah, yeah. yeah okay thank you for because because you if, like i said if you i've done a search and i found that letter and you see there's still photos of activists in the early 90s holding signs just like you said dr fauci you're killing us but the, without the context of what they meant that they're saying please give us more big pharma and okay i took it that yeah. he was so pro big pharma that he was killing them with azt and they were hip to it but there was a faction of act up on the west coast uh, called act up san francisco that did say precisely that and they were destroyed thrown into prison to the two main leaders died in prison the leaders of that group the group they were they were like it's like when act up became you know, what everybody thought ACT UP really was, that was ACT UP San Francisco. And they were throw, putting out leaflets and flyers and huge campaigns saying AZT is killing us, AZT is killing us. And the whole AIDS activist and um, um, AIDS organizational kind of apparatus turned viciously against these guys. There were only a handful of them. Okay. And uh, they sent the, they they the false charges of um, whatever it was. You know they didn't do anything that any other act up person didn't do at a conference. They destroyed some some property maybe, but they were thrown in jail and they and they died there. That's a that's an important story, a very scary story. Absolutely, and it's incredible context because I, I I've tried researching it and I didn't it. There were pieces that seemed to be missing, and you just filled some of them in. And, and one more thing on on this time period, when when you're talking about this um, decision to essentially uh, disguise what how certain risky habits could be the genesis of this of this um, quote unquote pandemic, um, and calling it woke or politically correct, and Fauci was involved in that was. Did did he, from your perspective, was he in line with such political correct um, mindset, or was what was in it for him? Was it this growth and power to become sort of the the J. Edgar Hoover of the of the medical world? Like maybe he was already envisioning, I'm going to be in this office till I die, and this was this is my entry point. Or do do you feel like he has an ideological uh, connection to the woke slash yeah, political? Great question. He, I've st I've wondered about that. He's he's very hard to read. It's almost like he's a blank. He is a, um, as I've pointed out, a um, he's a trained Jesuit, um, yes. which which uh, and 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 I've called him a trained Jesuit and committed globalist. Right. So does he believe in his woke, um, the woke utterances? I I think it's fair to say that people like him who are kind of um, high operators for for nwo that yeah they've they've taken the agenda and i don't think that he believes in anything true that let me, let me let me let me think about this for a moment like in other words do i do i think that anthony fauci wants to save the lives of africans or gay men or anybody else uh, no i believe he's completely I, I believe he's actually hidden to himself. I don't think he knows himself. I just think he he was such a perfect, perfect puppet for the system. Yeah. And a perfect operator. And it wasn't until Robert F. Kennedy Jr. decided to put a circle around Fauci and really he became his nemesis. He's Fauci's first real nemesis that even I understood how central he was to to all of these catastrophes. I used to mistake him for 
a rather bland but but vicious, spiteful bureaucrat. I mean, how can you be bland and vicious at the same time? I knew a lot about how he persecuted, targeted, and took out dissenting scientists, most famously Peter Duisburg. I knew a lot about that. I've never had any real sense, who is he? What does he believe in? I know that he has said he was raised Catholic and he's no longer a Catholic, that he believes in some kind of um, religion called um, humanism. I think he's a human. Pardon me. Humanist, and I think that's actually as lovely as it sounds. That's a big red flag. This all has to do with uh, technocracy, a new world order, uh, genetics, uh, you know, agenda 2030. It's like they all speak the same strange language where you can't tell what they think, what they feel, what they believe in, if you know what I mean. So yeah. it's, hard to, it's a hard call. It's like they've become the AI that they use to promote their messages. Like they're very AI-ish, yes. Yeah. And Fauci believes in in uh, fighting viruses, eradicating viruses, ta uh, anticipating and fighting global pandemics. Like that's probably if he wakes up in the middle of the night, what he babbles about, right? Um, <laughs> but what does that mean to him? What in in uh, who who is he really? I think that is something. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. didn't go into the anything personal, particularly about Tony Fauci, and I still I think he remains kind of unknowable. I I would agree. That's why I asked the question. Is in, after reading Kennedy's book, it's like this catalog of crime, but you're still left with this wondering about the the criminal mastermind at the center of it, which ultimately, I mean, we need him to be held accountable and pay a price for this, but it would help in terms of preventing future Fauci's as to how he got to this point and stayed in power so long, which I always compare to J. Edgar Hoover, another guy who just seemed to transcend administration after administration, where he, he just had, I, I'm, I can't really explain what it was about these men that enabled them to never get kicked out of office, even by Trump for that matter. But, um, which, that's which an I, excellent analogy, J. Edgar Hoover. That is, that's really, um, that's perfect. That's perfect. I hadn't ever thought of that, but they are, they are, ident they're very similar archetypes, aren't they? Yeah, and I think Hoover's maybe the only one who who's been who will end up in um, appointed a non-elected but powerful position longer than Fauci. But the, but the damage both of them did is is uh, almost incalculable. Now, well, what would you say J. Edgar Hoover believed in? You know, that's an excellent question because I have done, my dad was in law enforcement and I've done a fair amount of reading and, and growing up in New York and Italian, like you, you know, mafia guys and you try to figure out what, you know, the, the good guys and the bad guys. And for the longest time, Hoover denied the existence of organized crime. And you, you, you went to your, like, what's behind this? But I've never heard a convincing um, analysis as to what his, his daily motivating passions were beyond maintaining that office and that power. And maybe at some point, everything gets transcended by that, where Fauci wakes up every morning just... Can just wanting to remain the essentially the health czar of the United States for the past 35, 40 years. And, and whatever methods he needs to do on any given day 
that that's his goal. It's hardly a personality trait, but I can't think of like we keep using the word bland. He's there's some like he's just kind of opaque. It's like what is the driving force behind either of these men? And I've never heard a convincing um, uh, explanation for either, but their power is undeniable and unique. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fauci certainly is very, very drawn to the media spotlight. Yes, and and he loves uh, he loves getting getting in front of that camera and saying saying opaque, inscrutable things. Yeah, as Carrie Mullis said, he'll just he loves getting in front of the camera and lying to people. Like he was just pulled no punches and said it. Um, all right, I want to check on you. We are have such a great conversation, but we've already been chatting like 40 minutes. Are you good for time right now? Oh, sure, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we can go a little longer. Okay, now, I, I, a little teaser. I want to get to the, the Chomsky question, but I feel like we didn't mention enough about COVID, so I just want to ask you about a line that you sent to me when we were going back and forth on email <clears throat> in which you said COVID and AIDS are both pure abuse and the biggest money laundering scams in world history. So would maybe more, a little more focus on COVID, could you elaborate on that? Certainly. The scam goes like this, uh, greatly simplified. Launch through mass media campaign, novel deadly, uh, new deadly virus with CGI the uh, image. Uh, step two, so you get people frightened of it, show people dying, wheezing, keeling over in, in Wuhan, China, etc. So you, you, you launch the, 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 the scare bomb first. Step two, create a, a launch a test. In this case, PCR, it's a big conversation why it was absolutely crazy that they that they used PCR as a so-called test for for this uh, situation instead of a you know if it's a lung disease if it's a pneumonia why not look at the lungs diagnose through yeah. the lungs um, so piece so so okay why why call it money laundering well guess what now as as the extra bonus part of your money laundering scheme you're never out of the woods because even if you got tested yesterday but then you touch you know you touched uh, an elevator button you uh, all the they, they made it so that it can be lurking on any surface and if you recall they were saying oh it lives on cardboard for three days it does yep. this it does that so now ka-ching 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 like an, an incalculable amount of money coming through just through the, the, the PCR industrial complex with people just racing to get tested, 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 tested over and over and over and over again. Um, never mind all the money that was coming in. As you know, the hospitals were getting, every time they had a, a positive yep. test, they called it a case. Every case they got, I don't know what the number was, 35,000. If somebody went on a ventilator, they get even more money. So, so if that isn't I'm not very good with monetary language. I think I mean money laundering, but I think really what's like, what would you say? What is the word? It's the perfect scam is the money pours in and it's from, from something you just told people. You didn't prove it. 
Yeah. You didn't do yeah. anything. You just told people, Ooh, there's a monster out there and everybody runs out and gets tested every five minutes. Like, what do we call that? It's so sinister. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't think of a money charm. It just sounds like a psyop, but I agree with you. It's it's because it continues. I mean, I'm still in New York City and I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. When I just this morning, when I'm walking around my neighborhood, almost every other block, there's a little tent set up for COVID tests still. And there's some kid working there, a college kid or something, which I've heard they make like 35 bucks an hour. They have their mask on. Sometimes they have the whole hazmat suit on. And there's still lines of people getting tested. We're heading into November 2022. So I don't know if it's money laundering, money skimming, but but it's 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 a sinister scheme to to capitalize for to create the fear and then capitalize on the fear, you know, and and it's ongoing without a doubt. And pure abuse, the, your words, it it is it is if it were a one-on-one -on -one situation, it would be called an abusive relationship. Exactly. A, a COVID is pure abuse. AIDS was also pure abuse. And when you realize that, and you realize um, that you can leave an abusive relationship, that's the most important thing. And um, there's actually, there's a, um, a Pentecostal uh, British, he's, he's, he's passed away now, British Pentecostal minister who I learn a lot about Bible teachings from, his name was Derek Prince. And he said, I'm just going to quote this because um, it's it's it, I, I feel like it really sums it up. And his okay. definition of uh, of which is this: Are we okay? Are we okay yes. for time? Can I, Please. Okay. He, he said that. So I was I was I was studying him and listening to him. I was wanting to understand more about about witchcraft, frankly. And um, so I wrote down. I happen to have it here. His definition of witchcraft is. Witchcraft is, no, sorry, witchcraft in its essence is the attempt to control people and make them do what you want by the use of any spirit which is not the Holy Spirit. And the three words he said to be on the lookout for where sort of witchcraft is, is trying to operate on you, manipulation, intimidation, and domination. And if that isn't covid <laughs> no, Absolutely. No. Yeah. And I mean, they learned from the best. And interestingly, if you, I'm sure if you talk to people who um, have a different perspective on witchcraft, they would use the same three words to describe certain religions. And it's it, any, any group that can manipulate you in that way with that kind of uh, historical power is of danger. And now at this point, when we talk about Fauciism, as a religion of sorts, his power extends over four decades, and will, if he truly does retire at the end of this year, it will continue. He's laid the foundation for this to continue, unless we people can get can snap out of this and create the change that I believe we can make. Which, which brings me to I I had intended I heard you on a podcast talk use the phrase that it's important that we that we break the spell, and I I. Do want to ask you about that, but did you, I want to? I, if you have another minute, when we were talking beforehand, we were talking about the media, and I mentioned Chomsky, and I mentioned Chomsky's betrayal about vaccines, and you said I wasn't even remotely surprised. Can you tell me why, and briefly, as to why Chomsky's take that the unvaxxed could could be put away in camps and fend for themselves didn't surprise you? Right. So uh, I feel that the left 
uh, has a huge blind spot when it comes to, let's just call it uh, living biology. That is to say, causes of disease, virus, terrain, medicines, and uh, you know what works, what doesn't. The, let's call it the human body, and and especially academic intellectuals tend to be not in their bodies. Like a, like a Noam Chomsky. So first of all, I would predict him to buy into every last bogus virus uh, scare, scare and mm. theory, both for being an academic leftist and for being an intellectual and for being an established icon, somebody very revered. He knows that this is really the third rail. If you question viruses causation or or oh. the, the, the Fauci apparatus, you're 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 dead in the water. You're gone, right? you're neutralized so fast. So I do think he wants to keep his status, but I also think he embodies that part of the, uh, I once used the phrase, hot left, H-A-U-T-E, like the high left, right? And and they have always been this way. They loved HIV. They love COVID. They've they see nothing wrong with it. They both benefit from it financially, but they also embody all its messages. Why? Because it feeds into, and I ask my leftist friends, can you tell me what is it about the left that they don't get it about, about all of this, about viruses? And, and it's, it's, it's a rich question. What is it? And I'm going to say one thing that it is, is the void created by uh, I guess, you know, secular materialism, again, uh, intellectualism, belief in, we might think that Chomsky was somebody who came against major institutions, and I know he did, and I know he did fantastic work, but coming against this is a completely different animal, and he's never going to do that. And I, I actually think he doesn't understand it. I don't think he is able to look at the, the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, Fauci, as the military institutions that he's looked at so brilliantly, I don't think he can see that it's the same beast. Wow, that is fascinating and and I, I and convincing. It, it's because I've been I've been pondering. I, I mean, I I have noticed that Chomsky he makes no secret that he just he will use a term like conspiracy theory derisively and dismiss anything from the Kennedy assassination on up. So in one sense, I, that was the only angle that I was like, well, he just doesn't embrace this kind of stuff. But you're right; it's 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 the the left, and speaking more generally, the left loves their virtue signaling, and when when the AIDS crisis was in full blast. And then the COVID, you had things where you could wear um, buttons, or in this case, you can wear a mask and literally wear your virtue on your face. It was so easy for them to try and convince the rest of the world, look how good I am. Look, look, here's my virtue. I'm literally wearing it. I care so much about people that I won't even be able to breathe. And you can't understand a word I'm saying, but I'm going to keep wearing it. And Chomsky is sort of the right. pope, the pope of that left. So, okay, th I thank you for for sharing that. So, it just as we wrap up here, to to end up with um sort of like some some uh, positive energy for the listeners. What 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 would you suggest to people who hear this information and understand now the the depth and the the scope of how long this has been going on? What steps can we take to break the spell, to use your phrase, and take back our autonomy and freedom and our faculties of critical thought and spread that word and help others do the same? 
I think we're actually in, it seems like we're in an incredibly dark period and the last two and a half years have been indescribably dark, but the light that's coming through is that it got so dark, so abusive and so insane and homicidal uh, what these people did that so many people have, as we say, woken up so many people that it's almost like we are we're just together as spreading 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 so that so that we won't be sitting ducks in the future i don't i think this i think dare i say this is the last time they'll be able to just launch a cgi uh virus scare on the population and have people roll up their sleeves and put their arms out because you know why because people are honestly dropping dead all over the place, all over the world, all ages. It's caught on video. It's spreading all around. There is no denying it. Everybody can go to openvares.com and read about the detailed reports of how people have died following these shots. So for every person who's afflicted by that tragedy, that's going to go out to hundreds of people in their circle, right? So really what these idiots have done is done themselves in. They did themselves in. I believe that they are now gonna be rolled off the cliff of history. And now people are looking into what's the meaning of fresh air, sunshine, vitamin D, clean food, non-GMOs. Oh, wow, look, I do all these things and I don't get sick and I don't have to live in terror of touching the wrong elevator button. In other words, I think not only is Fauci on his way out, but so is false contagion mania, false, um, malicious and racist, false virus theories. Um, all these things that people can now see, they, they made a lot of people very rich and they had a real kind of bonanza era. Is that the right word? They had yeah. a real heyday with this. But they took it way too far. The wheels are coming off. I absolutely believe that we are winning and our victory is is assured so long as we stay awake keep spreading the word don't become afraid and the main thing they tap into is people's fear of fear of dying you know it starts there that people have to just kind of get secure in their relationship to their 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 spirituality god whoever they talk to and just like refuse to allow that fear to come in because that's exactly how they succeed when they succeed as people say oh but my mother she was just so afraid she was just you can stop fear i've learned how to do it you know you can you can talk to it as an enemy voice that's trying to take you down and i mean i would call that voice satan and say, you are a liar and you're lying and I'm not afraid right now. I'm safe right now and I'm protected and I'm not going to be afraid. So like each of us reining that in for as a, as a discipline, the same way we go to the gym or do anything else, just rein in the discipline. Wait a minute, are these the same people who told me to be afraid of X, Y, and Z? Eh, I think I'm gonna pass. And we just, we just, that's where it begins. You know, that and taking very good good care of ourselves, which is all to do with minimize poisons, expel poisons, don't put new poisons in your body, breathe fresh air. And I'm also, I'll just drop this in, I'm a recent convert and huge fan of uh, the Wim Hof method, both the 
ice baths and the breathing. Oh, well, amen to all of that. And I actually just became aware of Wim Hof. I think I heard him on a Duncan Trussell podcast. So I'm gonna, now I'm more inspired to look into it. But amen to all of that. Thank you. Because it, it's, it, it comes back to, to echo what you said. Number one, the powers that shouldn't be have overplayed their hand. And number two, we are beginning to, to re-remember how much power we have. And it's very fundamental power. It's not based in these structures that they've created. Like you said, sunshine, healthy eating, spirituality, the stuff that's accessible to, to just about everyone. So thank you for that that answer. I truly appreciate it. And thank you for spending so much time. I know I think we went about almost double over the time that you had allotted, but I, I that's because I was having such a good time. Thank Likewise. you, Mickey. I really appreciate it. I'd love to come back anytime and anytime. You, you do wonderful work. Uh, uh, right back at you. And anytime. It's an open invitation. You don't have to wait for me to contact you. You are welcome here anytime. And really, thank you for sharing your your enlightened wisdom with us and your hard-earned work where you, you did this investigative journalism and continue to do so. And I will... In the, in the show notes, I'll include your Substack and, and other information so people can connect with you. And really, just thank you for being you and for being here. Oh, God bless. Thank you, Mickey. Okay. And to be continued. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z again. I trust you're enjoying this episode. And if so, I would really, really appreciate it if you would become a paid subscriber for just $5 a month, less than 17 cents a day. You can support this Substack and this podcast. Your help is essential and it's crucial. And it's you who keeps this project going and growing. So thank you for listening. Thank you in advance for becoming a paid subscriber. And please spread the word. And while you're at it, please check the show notes for a link to a really kick-ass post-woke t-shirt. The sales have been going up. People are out there showing off what their favorite podcast is. And now it's time for you to join the team. So once again, thank you in advance. And let's get back to the show. Hey, before we wrap up episode 57, I just want to let everyone know that in a week or so, Postwoke is celebrating its first anniversary. That is one year of podcasting, substacking, writing, posting, memeing, and so much more. So to all of you out there, thank you so much for listening, for reading, for supporting, for sharing the links, and most importantly, for keeping your guard up. <music> 